Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, we are continuing our Joy to the World series, which is our Christmas series, based on the traditional uh, themes of Advent being realized or fulfilled, brought to fulfillment through the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's four themes represented by the four candles. Uh, Hope is the one uh, theme. Uh, Love is another theme. I think that was spoken on a few weeks back. Peace, being realized through the person of Jesus Christ, is what I'm going to be talking about today. And joy being realized, the fullness of joy comes through uh, 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 life with Christ. So we're looking at how each one of these four themes comes through relationship with God, through faith in uh, Jesus Christ, and adjusting the focus of Christmas. And Christmas is great. It's fun to gather with family, uh, celebrate Christmas with gifts and and big meals. But we want to focus Christmas uh, more than just being a holiday and realize it's a declaration of the gospel. And Advent and Christmas really was packaged, if you will. In other words, the celebration and, and the, the, all of the traditions associated with Christmas were um, actually invented by the church as ways to present the message of the gospel to um, uh, their communities. Things like Christmas trees being evergreen to represent that life uh, Jesus is life and offers uh, everlasting life. You know, it's the only uh, tree that doesn't uh, t- die in the winter. Of course, we know they're not dead, but it, they look dead. <laughs> but the evergreen trees is always alive. And so things like that the, and, and giving of gifts is a tradition that was started because God gave the best and most precious gift, his uh, son, the Lord Jesus, Uh, in uh, the uh, incarnation. And so it's a celebration of Christmas, but uh, sometimes those ideas are so lost and and ancient that we forget what they're really meant to represent. And so we want to just take time and and look at that. So peace, the theme for today, is realized or brought to fulfillment through Jesus Christ. And it's right there in the story all the way through. And so we're going to look at um, one of the main Christmas... uh, uh, verses, one of the verses from Isaiah that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born, uh, speaking of his birth. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so the promise to mankind, the prophetic word, was that through Jesus, through the birth of this Son, the Messiah, would come the Prince of Peace. Now, peace is generally thought of as the absence of conflict, okay? If you ask anybody today what does peace mean, it means there's no conflict, there's no strife. And uh, in fact, <clears throat> that's what, uh, you know, that's true, we want an absence of conflict, but that's not what peace is meant uh, biblical. The biblical word for peace is shalom, and the ancient Hebrew uh, concept of peace, rooted in the word shalom, meant wholeness, okay? Completeness, soundness, okay? Everything's together, health, 
safety and prosperity, and heavy on the prosperity. Shalom is a blessing that you would experience the fullness of life, the fullness of prosperity, and carrying with it the implication of permanence. I was just in Israel earlier this year, and, and shalom is something they say, it's a, it's a greeting, but on, uh, on the Sabbath, Everyone, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat, and they have to sing this song, Shabbat Shalom. I can't sing very well, so. <laughs> but they all would sing it, and that means the Sabbath peace. Shabbat is Sabbath, and Shalom is peace. Sabbath peace to you, Sabbath peace. And so that's the fullness of peace, the fullness of, of this wholeness, this completeness. And so it's much, much more than the absence of something. It's the presence of abundance and prosperity and wholeness and health. And so this peace is promised and realized and made available uh, to ourselves, to our families, to our communities, to our nation, to the world through Christ. That's the message of the gospel. And it's meant to influence every aspect of our lives. All right? We're just going to kind of talk through how this peace is to be realized in different aspects of life and how. Another verse uh, where, uh, from Luke, when the angels appeared to the shepherds uh, and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so the promised Messiah from Isaiah would bring a rule of peace, And the angels prophesied or proclaimed it at Christ's birth that there would be peace and goodwill toward men. And therefore, everyone in the world, and the whole world, every person in the world, is offered peace through Christ, through his birth and through his rule. And so what I did is I found this commentary. His name is, uh, I I refer to him from uh, time to time. I like, he, he puts things in good order and, uh, so this uh, is an old guy, probably back in the 1800s or the 1700s, wrote on this aspect of the peace that Christ offers. And I'll just quote from him, and I'm just going to be teaching through um, four ways that uh, peace is fulfilled through Christ based on Barnes' commentary, but let's just read this. It says, the world is at war with God. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it really is. Every aspect, all conflict in the world is really conflict with God, uh, but revealed in other ways. And uh, it's funny, I, I know a few atheists, and I'm always surprised at how angry they are at a God they don't believe exists. Because uh, <laughs> they just really like to argue about it. I'm like, man. Uh, so the world is at war, and it's at war with God. Sinners are at enmity. Uh, against their maker and against each other. So when we're at war with each other, it's really based because we're warring against our maker. There is no peace to the wicked. That's a familiar verse. But Jesus came to make peace, and this he did in four ways. So we're going to look at through uh, four ways that Jesus came to make peace. And the first is that Jesus made peace with God by reconciling the world uh, through his atonement. That's extremely, extremely important that we understand, and, and there's an order to these four things, that this comes first. In Romans, Paul explains how, uh, what Jesus did and, and, and what was accomplished. 
It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So Jesus, when he took sin itself upon himself and the punishment of uh, the sin of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth because he was the one with no sin, but he took the punishment when he died on the cross. When he did that, it enabled God's to be righteous in accepting us who were sinners, not allowed to enter into his presence because of that sin. God was just in extending grace because the just one, Jesus, the one who didn't deserve the penalty, took the penalty on our behalf. And through that act of mercy... God was just in saying, because Jesus, you've demonstrated such mercy and you've demonstrated such um, uh, uh, sacrificial love, he then can extend that love. It's the justice of God is fulfilled in extending mercy. And Jesus accomplished that. And what that did is that, that inherent built-in war between mankind and Jesus that is represented in the inherent, built-in struggle that every man, woman, and child has with the idea of God and submitting to someone else, you know, this rebellious nature that we were born with, that is made, there's peace made. There's a, there's a peace treaty offered to every person. And because it's offered, it's offered to the whole of mankind, therefore it's offered to every person. And because it's offered to every person individually, it is ultimately offered to the whole of mankind. And it's God's intent that the whole of mankind would come back in. Jesus made it possible for a restoration of relationship with God. Here, in another verse, it says it this way, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, For God was in Christ reconciling bringing back together the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so Jesus accomplished that peace between mankind and between God, and that there's no longer any reason why anyone uh, has to be separated from their Creator because of what Jesus offered, if they go through the person of Jesus. Peace is only realized through Christ. You can't get there any other way. You can't be good enough in order for God to say, oh, okay, you're so good, the few things that you did wrong, I won't count against you. All right? And we can only think that way because we don't realize how bad even our little smallest sins are. All right? Uh, because we're kind of used to it. We compare our lives with the lives of people around us. And we might be better than anyone else, but compared to Jesus, compared to the righteousness of God, all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Right? And so, but in Christ, all of that's washed away. And we can come and we can have a new beginning with Christ. So everything in the world that separated mankind from God is overcome by the power of Christ's sacrifice. And in Christ, the world literally has the possibility of a new beginning and fully will be realized. So there's peace with God is the first and really most important. Everything else kind of rolls out from that. 
Um, and what the next step is, is that there's peace available within. Okay, and Barnes says it this way, by bringing the sinners to a state of peace with his maker, inducing him, as he wrote a long time ago, so the, the, the words don't flow as well as they might, what we're used to, inducing him to lay down uh, the weapons of rebellion and to submit his soul to God, thus giving him the peace which passes all understanding. And so this universal peace that was brokered, if you will, by our high priest, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, and, and enables us to have peace with our Maker, then produces peace within. Jesus said it this way, I am, this is when he was speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. It's Christmas time. God wants to give you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Huh. How many want that gift? Right. How many know somebody in your life that needs the gift of peace of mind and heart? Right. That's really, really the underlying problem. Every problem is this lack of peace of mind and heart. That's what leads to addiction. Because you, you want the use of some substance or behavior to, to drown the anxiety or the fear or the frustration, the anger, whatever it might be. Uh, it, it, you know, so many things uh, are the fruit of lack of peace of mind and heart. When Jesus said, I'm going to give you a gift. This is not something you can manufacture. It's just something you receive. A gift is something you receive. It's not something you earn. If you earned it, it wouldn't be a gift. It's something you have to receive. And he says that the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So that Jesus is saying, you can't find this anywhere in the world. It's the peace that comes, that's realized through relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul is explaining this. I, I love this verse because it just it breaks it down really well, this whole thing about anxiety. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. All right, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, there it is again, hearts and minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. So one of the things, if you struggle with worry, if you struggle with anxiety or uh, frustration, the things, uh, troubles of life, you know, just saying, you know, don't worry isn't enough, all right? You need to do something. But this verse gives us something to do, doesn't it? Yeah. Pray. Talk to God. Tell God what you need and thank Him. All right? So when you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling frustration, and, 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 and you know, everyone goes through this. We, we, we endure difficulty. <laughs> on a daily basis, and we need a way to access the peace that Christ offers. And this verse tells us what we need to do. It's, you need to be talking with God. You need to be comfortable talking with your father. All right? When I was a kid, my parents got divorced when I was... Uh, <clears throat> probably around 12. I don't really know the age. I kind of went through a season. I don't remember all the details. 
But I remember when my mom took me out, and this is, you're not supposed to do this. They tell you not to do this now, but back then they didn't know any better. Uh, I, I do remember as, as clear as I, I was experienced it yesterday, took me out into this, this rec room that we had in our house, and, uh, and I didn't really even know what was going on, but she, uh, um, I think I knew at that point they were going to separate. And <clears throat> she asked me, as a 12-year-old little boy, you know, you want to come with me and your sister? My sister was seven years younger than I. Or do you want to stay here with your dad? Yeah. So I had to make the choice. So you're not supposed to do that because the kid shouldn't have that burden. <clears throat> um, and I shocked her because I, I didn't know it then, but years later I was like, I, I, I bet I really messed up her plans. Because I, I had basically raised my sister. We had a business. My parents had a store. And my dad was working. And my dad was sick at the time, too. So I was watching my senior sister all the time, every day, for hours and hours. Right? <clears throat> but I was like, I don't want to leave here. I'm staying here. Like, I didn't want to leave the house. And we lived out in the country. We had woods and fields and animals. And it was fun. Uh, I didn't want to up and move and live in some apartment somewhere. <clears throat> and I said, no, I'm not going to go. But I, I realized I had never had a conversation with my dad. I had never had a conversation with my natural father that I could remember. Like, how are you today? They all called me Bucky. I was born on the first day of deer season. Bucky, how are you doing today? My dad never said that. He'd say, take out the trash. <laughs> or more likely, why haven't you taken out the trash? And he wasn't asking a question. <laughs> but and so a few weeks later, here I am living with my dad, who I'd never had a conversation with. And, uh, and so we often, many of us, I don't know if you grew up like that, many of us have difficulty. I got two sons. They're teenagers. They're great kids. But you know, there's difficulty. I understand the difficulty of being a teenager and having to talk to your dad about something important. Thankfully, my kids can do that, but it's still awkward, Dad, I need to talk about something. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, you never know what that is. Like, I crashed the car, you know, I got a girl pregnant, you know, thankfully I haven't had to deal with that. Uh, or I'm thinking about asking a girl out. You know, that's great. Or I just got a new job. Or, you know, there's, it could be good. It could be bad. Uh, <clears throat> but we have the opportunity to talk to her. My, my sons have the opportunity to talk to their father. And actually, because I made that choice, I ended up having the opportunity to talk to my father. And uh, he, event, he actually, shortly after, became a, a born-again Christian and was totally transformed. How do we deal with anxiety, we talk to our Heavenly Father. You're still just a kid. I don't care how old you are. And when you, need, when you have anxiety and difficulty in life, you need to be able to talk to your Heavenly Father because that's where you find peace. All right? And that's what this verse tells us. Tell God. Talk to Him. Explain to Him. Tell Him how you're feeling. And remember to thank Him for all that He's given you. 
even in times of difficulty, we can thank him for the things that we have. Um, and in doing that, it says, then you will experience, you'll experience the peace that Jesus already paid for. Amen. All right? But you need to come into an experience of that. And that exceeds, it passes all understanding. The peace that passes understanding. We can't understand it. And that peace, this verse promises, will guard your hearts and mind. And that, the word guard there is a military term. So, and, and, and Paul intentionally used that because the readers who read that would think of the Roman guards that were fully armored and were the strongest military force the world had ever seen at that point. And so he's like saying, hey, the peace of God is like, a, is like uh, the SEAL Team 6 coming in to guard your heart. All right? Is that good? <clears throat> That's good. Peace with others. Third level. We're just whipping right through these. Uh, peace with others. By diffusing in the hearts universal goodwill to people. In other words, by having that uh, transformation of inner peace through the peace that we obtain uh, from God, um, it says that, uh, or Barnes goes, that this peace uh, would be disposing people to lay aside their differences, to love one another, to seek each other's welfare, and to banish, uh, to get rid of, all of these behaviors, envy, malice, pride, lust, passion, and covetousness, in all ages, the most fruitful causes of difference among people. Okay, in other words, what he's saying is these things like envy and malice, which is deep-seated uh, anger that turns into bitterness, that turns into malice. Malice is the worst uh, expression of anger because you're just... You're just trying to hurt other people because you are so angry. You don't even remember why you're angry. Uh, and people get into this state of malice or envy, constantly uh, uh, thinking uh, everybody's got everything and I don't. Lust. And the world we live in, boy, in America, lust is, dominates our society. You can't drive down the road without seeing explicit images on billboards. And everything is uh, 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 sold by through lust, whether it be sexual lust or lust for the biggest truck, you know, or the fastest car. Cracks me up. I'll see a commercial, I'm like, what is this commercial about? You know, it'll just be a bunch of images that are like, what is it, what are they? I know it's a commercial, because it's coming before a show, all right? <laughs> and at the end, it'll have, you know, Toyota or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that car is not going to get me a bunch of beautiful women hanging on me, I'm telling you. <laughs> but that's how the system works because it, it's, it's using this built-in uh, uh, character defects that uh, all humans have to control. And God says, no, turn it around. Let the peace control, and when the peace rules in your heart, you're not going to be causing, uh, it's not going to stir up differences. <clears throat> and so this is, a, this is what is called a negative example, so, and it, it's not talking about peace, but it's talking about love, it's the same idea. In 1 John, uh, it says, if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar, all right? <laughs> is that easy to understand? <laughs> you know? Some people think the Bible's hard to understand. Like, 
You know, just don't worry about the parts that are hard to understand. Worry about the parts that are easy to understand. This is easy to understand. You say, oh, I love God, but you, you're mean and hateful towards someone else. You're just lying. You, you don't get it. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. All right. And uh, <clears throat> so the idea here is the way you treat or the what, how you feel about other people really reflects best your relationship with God. And so if you're hateful, if you're mean, if you're discontent, if you're angry toward other people, and, and, and yeah, it's your brother, it's the people that live in your house, it's the people that, that you're related to, but I think it's really everybody. It's your fellow man. And so you can't be filled with anger uh, against those people and then say you love God because God loves those people as much as he loves you. And Jesus died for those people as much as he died for you. And so this principle is, uh, you know, how we treat and how we feel toward other people really reveals how we feel toward God. And I'm saying, uh, I'm taking that to say, listen, if you don't have peace between one another... You, you haven't tapped into the peace that Jesus offers with God. Does that make sense? Where do you get love for your brother? All right. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Spirit. It's not something you could just manufacture. You have to go to God because sometimes your brother or those others are doing stuff that are, is not lovable. Just like you do stuff that's not lovable, but God still loves you. So how do you get the love to overcome the offense? By tapping into God's love. How do you get the peace to overcome the conflict that you're feeling from others? You go to the peace that comes from Christ, that peace within that's a result of receiving the gift from God that Jesus accomplished by reconciling us to our Father. Does that make sense? All right, and we need that. The world needs that. Uh, in Colossians, it says it this way. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is, this is what we should be instead of those other characters, envy, lust, a pride, malice. These are the characteristics that flow out of relationship with God, out of having our, our hearts and minds at peace. So tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. It doesn't say keep track of each other's faults. <laughs> or your own faults, does it? It says, make an allowance for that. In other words, oh, that's okay. That's covered. Because people are going to do stuff to offend you. They're going to say stuff. They're going to behave in ways that upset you. And you just make, you give room for that. You know, God will deal with that in his time. Forgive one another. Forgive anyone who offends you. So the Bible... This is one of those promises of Scripture. 
that are, is usually not included in the list of scriptural promises. People will offend you. Okay? And actually, this is written to a church talking about one another in a church. So I always am surprised when people come and, and they're just, you know, they're going to leave a church because somebody offended them or they're just, you know, mad. Because I'm like, what do you expect? The Bible's full of promises that when you get people together, you're going to get offended. And we need that so that we can learn how to forgive. All right? It's exercising our forgiver. (laughs) Why? So that we can be more like God. Because he's the biggest forgiver of all. And if you run away from that, then you're running away from the discipline, the instruction, the training in righteousness. You're you're bolting when it's time to, to carry your weight. And the way is forgiveness, all right? And where does the ability to forgiveness come from? The peace that comes from Christ's rule in your heart. It's the only place. You've got to go to him. Uh, let's finish this verse. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I was like, man, keep this in perspective, guys. God's forgiven us so much. It's a little thing for us to forgive this. Above all, close your, clothe yourself with love which brings us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. As members of one another, of one body, you are called to live in peace. And so this idea that Christ's peace is at rule, you know, and that's, that's where this, this almost a conflict, like the Prince of Peace. You think of a, a general as a general that, is, is about war. The military is about war. But Christ's rule is about establishing peace. And ultimately, even in our system, uh, a good uh, military is about establishing peace and maintaining peace. Rule is meant to establish order and peace, uh, not conflict. <clears throat> and so having the peace that comes from uh, Christ be in charge of our hearts, our feelings, our acts, our will, is how we can live this way. And this is what we're called to. Inward peace that comes from the Prince of Peace must produce the outward peace in our relationships with others. Now this is the problem, is that most people, and we tend to fall into the thinking pattern that if I could just get things right in my life, I will feel peace. I will experience peace if this person stops behaving that way, if my cars stop breaking down, if I get my house fixed and I get my job settled and I get that done and everything, everything's good, now I can, oh, you know. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. Occasionally, you'll have moments <laughs> where everything lines up, you know. It's like occasionally the sun comes out in the winter in, in Michigan. <laughs> And that's great. You can enjoy it when everything lines up and it's easy. But you can't look toward getting all the things in order to bring you peace. It's actually the other way around. You need to have peace with God and peace within so that you can face the conflict and the struggles and the offenses and the grief and the anger 
that is at, at, still at war. The world is still at war. And all those things are coming. You can stand and have peace in the midst of the battle. Jesus was able to sleep in the boat during the storm. Not because the water was calm and everything was like, oh, it's nice. No, it was a storm, but he had peace. And he was able to stand up and still the storm because he was the prince of peace. So he was able to speak to the conflict of the world and, and, and bring the peace that existed within him to affect what was without him. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so if it's ruling in your heart, and I have experienced this, there could be conflict in a room and you just walk in. If you have the peace of God and you're not ruffled by everybody else's emotion, you can bring, you can change the atmosphere in a room simply by saying, I'm not going to give in to the temptation to anger or the other things trying to control me. I'm going to maintain peace with God in the midst of all this conflict. <clears throat> um, and then the final one, so there's peace with God, peace within, peace with others, and then world peace. <clears throat> uh, by diffusing, this is Barnes' words, by diffusing the principles of universal peace among nations, if the gospel of Jesus should universally prevail, there would be an end of war. It goes on a bit and it says, there will be universal peace. This is the promise of Scripture. All the causes of war will have ceased. People will love each other and do justly. All nations will be brought under the influence of the gospel. Oh, how should each one toil and pray that the great object of the gospel, this world peace, should be universally accomplished and the world would be filled with peace. So the fullness of the promise, the realization of peace, will be revealed when Jesus returns, when he comes and establishes rule in the end times. Okay, And historically, Advent, I didn't know this until we did this series, uh, uh, did a little study <clears throat> and found that Advent, not only was the Advent the preparation for the coming of Jesus, it was originally uh, to proclaim the return of Jesus is to prepare us for Christ's return. And it's in Christ's return that the fullness of peace will be realized by the world. And this is prophesied, in, uh, again, harking back to Isaiah. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above other hills, and people from all over the world will stream here Stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. Now keep in mind, the prophet is saying this to, to Jews who thought that they were the chosen people, that they were the race that would worship God. But all the way through the Old Testament, there's this continual uh, uh, refrain that, you know what, this is for the whole world. For the whole world, and here it's saying in the fulfillment, it says people from all nations will come to uh, the, the house of the Lord to worship uh, and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. The Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, which was an actual hill in Jerusalem. Um, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. 
you know what? There's going to be no end to international disputes until Christ comes and establishes his rule. Now, we work toward that, we pray toward that, we do whatever we can to accomplish that, but we understand that the fullness of peace won't be realized until Christ returns. Uh, they will hammer their, it says, the Lord will mediate between nations and international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Can you imagine a world where you'd never have to worry about war? Uh, and we live in a blessed nation. You know, we don't have to worry about missiles dropping on us. I grew up in the, in, the, in the Cold War, and so we thought that the Russians were right on the verge of shooting missiles. Turns out they didn't have any that worked. <laughs> they had a lot of missiles. They just never could have reached here. Uh, but during the time we thought they could, you know, I have friends in Ukraine yeah. who, uh, they are at war with Russia. I mean, there's no kidding. There's tanks shooting bombs right now, every day. They're still fighting. It's not on the news anymore because it's boring uh, for the regular world. But I have friends that live... <laughs> You can hear the bombs. When we were in Israel, the two days before our team got there, Dan Slade was there, and he heard the missiles being shot from Gaza into Israel, 500 missiles. Uh, and I, I actually stayed in that city uh, where Dan was and where he heard those missiles. The missiles could reach that city, but, if, uh, uh, but they, they're very low-quality missiles. <laughs> they all end up just dropping in the middle of the desert. So. But, you know, there's a real threat in most of the world, of war. And boy, can you imagine living in a world where that was no longer an issue? Where there, you know, and that's the peace that is, is, is realized through Jesus Christ. We will live in the resurrection in a world without war. All right. Uh, here's another uh, prophecy uh, uh, in Isaiah. It says, You will know at the last, at last, that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel, I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, your stones for iron. In other words, everything's going to get an upgrade, guys. <clears throat> I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Wow. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls and praise be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day nor the moon to give its light by night for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. And so this, this was a prophecy not only to the nation of Israel that they would see a time of peace but because that point where you no longer need the sun to shine by day we know that's talking about the resurrection Okay, and the life to come. That when, when all those who are in Christ will be uh, raised from the dead and live eternally in relationship with Him and there's going to be no more violence, no more war. That's the promise of the gospel. That's the promise of peace being realized in, in, in everyone's life. And it's offered to everyone, but only those who receive the offer will be able to experience so the, the, the four steps, peace with God through faith in Jesus, removes every obstacle, but you need to accept that. You need to accept the terms, and the terms is you bow your knee to Jesus, and you surrender your life to Jesus as Lord, and you have access to the Father. And, uh, you know, so I have to ask you, you know, it, are, 
Are you, is your relationship with the Father reconciled? Are you fully reconciled? Are you, are you able to freely talk with Him? And if not, take whatever's holding you back to the Father and be reconciled to God. Peace within. <clears throat> Have you experienced the fullness of the peace of mind and heart that Jesus uh, promises? And that enables you to live a life of victory so that temptation and, and lust and desires aren't ruling your heart, but Christ's gifts of peace uh, is ruling in your heart and, and managing your emotions. And then that inner peace enables peace to rule at your relationships with others, uh, opening the door for them to see a demonstration uh, of the Prince of Peace. In other words, as you demonstrate the peace of Christ to others in your life, that's their best chance of being willing to listen to why you, why you don't respond like other people respond. And you can tell them about why, your source of peace and, uh, and offer them uh, peace. All right? So just question, um, just these, these this application questions. How's that working in your life? All right? Uh, and if it's, if you're not, if, you, if it's not evident that the, the, the rule of the relationship in your life is peace, then you need to go to Jesus and get more peace within. Or maybe you need to reconcile with God a little more so that you can have peace within. And ultimately, this is leading to the day when Jesus returns. And so the last application is looking for his return. And in Philippians, it says that, um, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So the question is, are you ready? And if you're ready for this, this final settlement, peace settlement that will come when Jesus returns, the big question is, is there someone in your life that isn't ready? And is there anything you can do to help them get ready? Because right? now's the time for them to receive the peace that Christ obtained on the cross. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for hope. We thank you for love. We thank you for the joy. And we thank you for the peace that comes through knowing you and that you made available uh, at your birth, your life, and your death on the cross. And Lord, I pray that each person here, and, and myself included, would increase in our ability to experience your peace of mind and heart. Father, like Christmas, uh, gifts being unwrapped uh, uh, around a family gathering, I pray that each person here would unwrap the gift of peace that you give. And you give not like the world gives. You give something that really matters. And I pray that each person would unwrap the gift of peace so that our minds and hearts would be uh, in, in, in reconciled to you and we'd be reconciled to others as a, as a response. Father, bless each person here in Jesus' name, and uh, we thank you again for your goodness. Amen, amen. Well, listen, we have our prayer team available. If you have anything you'd like a personal prayer for, they'd be more than willing to come and, and, and pray with you. On this side uh, uh, is our Rama team, people trained to share a little more in-depth personal uh, word from God's word for you individually, and it's recorded. If you haven't experienced that, it's a powerful ministry, and it's very uh, impacting. In fact, uh, 
uh, especially if you're a new, uh, take advantage of it and give it a, give it a test try. <laughs> and they love to minister. Otherwise, God bless you. You're dismissed. There's uh, refreshments and coffee back in the family room. Thank you for coming. And don't forget, next week is the big brunch.